Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and defining happiness and success. My name is Graham Alcott, I'm your host for the show and on this episode I'm talking to Tim Campos. Tim is the founder and CEO of an app called Woven, uh, all about calendars and we'll talk more about that in the episode. Um, and he's also the ex-CTO of Facebook, so we talk a bit about Facebook and um, some of the uh, issues that they've had over the last couple of years and, you know, in relation to productivity and the work that Tim did when he was there. So really interesting episode coming up. We had some challenges actually using Zencaster software to record this because it was down the line. So um, hopefully that uh, doesn't reflect in sort of a glitchy interview or you kind of feeling like it's a bit disjointed, but really enjoyed talking to Tim. Um, before we get into it, obviously, just a huge amount has happened since the last episode two weeks ago. Um, think productive in terms of our response have been looking at how can we meet clients' new demands. So we've actually been working on two new workshop sessions, um, one called the Productivity Ninja Guide to Working from Home. Seems like the universal thing that everyone needs right now. And then one for leaders and managers uh, called Leading Remote Teams. Um, so if you want to find out more about those, uh, we'll put the link to that in the show notes and it's at thinkproductive.com. Um, and we're also just trying to do whatever we can to help. So there's um, there's a free uh, webinar session happening on Monday, which again, we'll put a link to in the show notes. Um, it's happening uh, this uh, coming Monday, which is uh, Monday the 23rd of March. And um, it's free. It's an hour long. And it's basically all the best bits from our uh, our corporate product, uh, the Productivity Ninja Guide to Working from Home. So if you are working from home and you want to spend an hour with us and hopefully get some productivity and well-being tips and inspiration, then uh, the link is in the show notes for that. The demand, we just literally put this live two hours before I'm recording this. And we've had well over 100 signups in the first two hours without really promoting it. So it's probably going to end up being a thing that we're doing most days, uh, just as a freebie thing to help. So if you want more details about that, have a look in the links in the show notes here. Um, and if you can't find what you're looking for, uh, just email me directly, graham at thinkproductive.co.uk. Um, it's unprecedented times, man, isn't it? It's um, it's very scary. It's very strange. I felt two weeks ago like people were really overreacting to stuff, um, and they are in certain ways, like stockpiling toilet roll and really selfish behavior. Um, one of my best mates uh, has coronavirus, and just we couldn't get any paracetamol for her, and she was in a lot of pain and dizziness and not in a good way. And we just couldn't help her because there's nothing in the shop. So my little plea... Um, is if you have stockpiled more than you need, uh, then reach out to people who do need it and share. And, um, you know, ultimately, uh, what I hope comes out of this whole wretched experience for so many people is that, you know, we are stronger together, we're stronger when we share, and we're stronger when we have that open approach to things, um, rather than this kind of very individu individualistic, selfish approach. So, um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. There's a lot of people talking a lot of stuff. You don't need me to uh, continue with lots more of that. But um, yeah, very, very strange times indeed. Um, so I hope you're all well. Um, hope everything is okay in your world, um, keeping people away from the virus. Um, I've heard it's nasty. My mate really is uh, not in a good way with it and really isn't 
isn't enjoying it let's say um so yeah the main thing right now of course is just looking after each other um you know keeping yourself safe keeping other people safe and um just wishing you every uh possible success with that um you know just uh sending you my good wishes and um you know let's keep looking out for each other that's the main message so let's get into this episode uh keeping beyond busy on the on the road despite uh being pulled myself in a hundred directions right now um but yeah here's the episode uh coming up right now here's my conversation with tim campos so i'm here with tim campos how are you doing I'm doing well. Good to uh, good to be here with you, Graham. So we've just had about three or four minutes of the conversation derailed twice on Zencaster. <laughs> We're switching to Zoom for the first time. The the irony of um, having tech issues when I'm uh, talking to a former CIO uh, in Silicon Valley. So um, let's let's uh, jump straight into the the conversation. So um, so so Tim, your role at Facebook, you were the CIO. Do you want to just start with? What does a CIO do, and specifically, what did that mean for you at Facebook? Yeah, absolutely. So, so CIO, that for, for those who aren't familiar with the term, it stands for Chief Information Officer, and the the scope of the role varies a lot by uh, companies. But at Facebook, my my job was the productivity of the workforce. It was actually my my first question with Mark Zuckerberg when I was interviewing with him. Um, was you know what do you want out of this role? And he was quite clear um, that. What he cared about was making sure that every employee, especially the engineers within the company, were as productive as possible. And so we accomplished this by, uh, you know, we worked a lot with all the different teams in the company, uh, every function from engineering to sales to recruiting. And we would translate that mission into what does this mean for them? Um, functions like uh, engineering, engineering is very technical. And so a lot of engineering productivity comes from, uh, you know, developer frameworks and the way that the build system works. So we, we didn't get into that stuff because that's really the domain of, of uh, engineering. But we did get into things like what tools did they have access to and the equipment mm. and the support infrastructure and even doing crazy things like building vending machines so that engineers who are working in the middle of the night could get access to mice and keyboards and stuff like that with, <laughs> uh, uh, with, uh, without having to talk to a, a help desk person. Uh, right. For functions like sales and uh, recruiting, uh, these were the, the second and third largest functions at Facebook. Um, we we uh, sat down, we worked very closely with these teams, understood what took time for them, and then we found strategies to automate that. And initially, we would use uh, third-party software for that. You know, uh, and, and with time, we found that that wasn't good enough, and so we had to build our own. And so we built some very advanced recruiting systems, very advanced sales uh, information systems, advanced systems for how you do data center repair. And all of this was just designed to take the work out of work. Mm. So just to make stuff easy, so you're starting with a blank slate and managing a lot of change. So I'm interested, just before we get into one of the, the big things that that led on to, which is obviously woven, which we'll talk about in a minute, but the the part of that, which is about internal consulting and and coming up with those solutions and, and managing people through that change. What did you learn through that part of the job? Well, right now what I'm learning is that when technology doesn't work, it is one of the most infuriating and unfortunately <laughs> productivity draining things because I'm so dependent on it. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that, that actually would be the basis for a lot of conversation, uh, mm. 
you know, oftentimes when you when you start as a CIO at a company, people have a lot of complaints, um, and uh, and that's where you can do trust building because change starts with trust. If I come to you and I say, hey, we should uh, change how you're doing your your job. We should change how you talk to customers, and here's how we could do it in a way that would make you more productive. That comes from trust, and mm-hmm. if uh, yeah. people are able to uh, believe that the vision that you're offering is actually possible to be attained, um, they're much more likely to become a part of making it a reality. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it also requires a lot of empathy. You really need to understand what do people do? How is that painful for them? Um, And when you do that in ways that really connect with them emotionally, you, you win fans for life. Mm, Absolutely. uh, My my team was actually pretty good at this. So it's often said that, People just generally dislike change. Was that your experience? And just tell me more about how you would deal with that. Um, not so much at Facebook, but certainly in other companies, I have found that people don't like change. Uh, and so you really have to give them the, um, you have to be good at storytelling, telling, telling, painting a vision for where you're going and why this is better. Um, because without that, uh, it's too easy to, do things that actually prevent a change from being successful. Uh, and, and these aren't necessarily deliberate things, but just like, I'm not going to read the information that you sent me, or I'm not going to go to the meeting about this new tool that I, you want me to use. Uh, and lo and behold, if that happens, then uh, that person's not going to be able to use the tool. Uh, and that can really get in the way of the success of a project. But um, at a company like Facebook, things are changing all the time. And we had to really embrace this. The company was constantly getting bigger. Uh, The product was evolving. uh, The market uh, dynamics were evolving. And so the people that had chosen to work at Facebook, particularly in the early days, were very much uh, not averse to change. And uh, I don't think they would have been successful if they were. Yeah. And tell me about pressure. So one of the stories I read of yours was that when you were asked to fix the company's calendar system, that it was almost like, you've got to sort this out. And if you don't sort this out, then your job's on the line. So is that something that is everybody at Facebook dealing with that level of pressure one way or another? Or was that something that you found surprising? Just tell me about pressure within, within an environment of, of um, uh, such a fast-growing company like Facebook. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of pressure. It doesn't so much come from a scenario where somebody tells you, if you don't do this or else. That's actually kind of rare. Uh, it more comes from the fact that you're working in an environment with some of the best people in the world and you didn't get into Facebook. This is particularly true of the early days. You didn't get into Facebook if you weren't also uh, one of the best in the world at what you did. Yeah. And so there was a lot of internal pressure you know, from you, from yourself, in order to perform at the level that everybody else is performing. And as you would see other teams do these amazing things, whether it was, you know, the capabilities of a new product or the way that, uh, you know, sales would blow their numbers out of the water or new innovative ways to assess candidates for recruiting, uh, it would create this strong pressure for you to, um, you know, outperform in your own area as well. Um, But there wasn't a lot at Facebook of do this or else. The or else would happen, um, but it was kind of more implicit. Uh, Mm, It was rare for it to be explicitly communicated. 
if you don't get this done in the next week, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just on Facebook, before we move on, how did you find Mark Zuckerberg as a leader? What were the, what were the qualities that you most enjoyed or maybe didn't enjoy so much from him? What, what did you take away from working with him? You know, um, I think he's probably one of the most misunderstood people in tech, uh, in large part because uh, other people like to tell these stories about him. And um, they're often not true. Uh, for example, when I started at Facebook, uh, the, the movie The Social Network was coming out. So uh, The Social Network likes to uh, convey Mark as a, um, you know, he started Facebook to be able to meet girls and he was, uh, you know, sort of this like odd uh odd duck. Uh, I guess he is a little bit of an odd duck, not more than any other software engineer. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he was already dating his, the woman who became his wife before he started Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and he's never been that kind of person. You know, he's always been, uh, committed to, to his wife, Priscilla and the motivations that he's had has never been about, you know, uh, simple things like that. Um, really more big, big vision items. Like let's make the world more connected. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think uh, he's exceptional at as a leader is he knows what he's good at and he surrounds himself with people who are good at all the things he's not, or he doesn't want to be. Mm. And that style of leadership led to this cultural attribute where Facebook has some of the best people in the world. Hmm. He's not the kind of person who wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, if he's the smartest guy in the room, then he has failed in his hiring. Yeah. And that led him to people like Sheryl Sandberg and David Ebersman and Jonathan Helliger. And these are all people who have been really instrumental in the success of Facebook. Um, some of them are still there like Sheryl and some of them uh, have now moved on, but uh, He's always been just exceptional at selecting talent. Yeah. What's your reflections on your time at Facebook versus Facebook now? And, you know, do you feel like it's kind of lost its edge or lost its cool a little bit in terms of the... Oh, it's definitely lost its cool. Um, I mean, when when I was at Facebook, um, you know, we had this very idealistic view of the universe of we're going to make the world more open and connected and everybody wants that. And um, things would happen that would reaffirm this. Uh, you know, we, you would go to a party and you'd tell people that you worked at Facebook and somebody would then give you this story about how they were reconnected with, um, you know, a, a, a father that they haven't met in a long mm, time right, or yeah, with yeah. high school friends or something like that. Um, and they would uh, just, they loved the product for that. And then in 2012, you had the Arab Spring, which gave a lot of credit for the, um, uh, you know, the, the motivation and the, uh, uh, you know, what, what really brought people together was social media. Um, but I think as time has gone on, that mission, there's a dark side to it. Um, you know, Facebook has both made the world more open and connected for a profit, which isn't a bad thing. But it's uh, create some issues with incentives, and that's resulted in all the profits had with data privacy. Those have mm, all been yeah. motivated by the profit incentive. And the other issues um, is that I'm not sure that the world wants 
a curated news feed that is solely designed for our enjoyment because what that ends up doing is isolating us. We now are only connected to the people that make us happy and not to the people that tell us things that maybe we don't like, but we, we really need to hear. I see this in political discourse. I see this um, in the way that, uh, you know, friendships have, um, you know, evolved, uh, particularly online. Uh, and I think Facebook today is a very different place than it was in 2010. Um, you know, I, I don't like to speak ill of the company, but for me, I don't, I don't use it as much uh, for yeah. this. Um, I, I, and I certainly don't, uh, engage in political discourse on it. It's very, uh, amazing how divisive that can become. Uh, and so I, I tend to reserve that for when I'm meeting with people face to face. And I really put onto Facebook big things that are going on in my life that I want to share with others. Um, and not much more than that. For sure. I've, I, I left Facebook many years ago and fell out of love with Twitter a couple of years ago as well. So I've, I've, I end up not using either of those platforms. And um, I suppose these days I, I'm a little bit of Instagram. I quite enjoy Instagram. I, it makes me feel a little bit sick sometimes too. Um, and my big worry at the moment is I've just seen that when I turn on WhatsApp, it now says WhatsApp powered by Facebook. And I'm like, are they going to start putting ads on here and ruin this? Because it just feels like that's like the next, yeah. The I next, think the next stage, right? It, Facebook has a big issue with trust, and yeah, um, unfortunately, that's it's a hard problem, and I, I think it's a deep problem. Um, but you know, uh, part of what made Facebook wonderful is you would get on it, and you you've, uh, you don't see this anymore. But people would share silly things like cat videos and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and uh, my kids uh, like TikTok. Um, and when I go on TikTok, uh, I'm amazed at the capabilities of the human being. You see people doing dance moves or these really <laughs> amazing stunts. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it's they're, you know, TikTok are vignettes. You know, these are very short videos, um, I think 60 seconds or something like that. Uh, and uh, it, it, it hasn't yet evolved to be... Uh, uh, you know, something kind of like Facebook where you, you sort of get sucked into debate or, or things like that. But what it, it really does is showcase the best of the human being. Yeah, you know, and I feel like the early days of Facebook and Twitter did the same. So uh, it, says, it says something either about uh, the sort of evolution of, of human nature over time on a platform or something about how the profit motive uh, is interwoven with human nature somewhere, but uh, yeah, let's Perhaps let's reserve of... judgment on TikTok for the time being because maybe, maybe that will change in the future, right? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely <laughs> right, and and you know perhaps this also says a little bit about ourselves um, in terms of what you know who we are. Uh, yeah, as, for sure, as human beings. Yeah. But uh, absolutely. Uh, in any um, event, it, it it really I, I do I, I miss the days of Facebook um, of when I first joined there was, was the best time of my life professionally. And, uh, um, I think that, uh, the company has a new set of challenges today, which, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that they have the best people in the world to deal with them because they're, they're tough challenges. Yeah. And maybe slightly glad that you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. So let's talk about woven. So woven kind of was born out of you trying to solve that problem, uh, at Facebook, particularly around calendars and collaborations. So do you want to just explain what Woven is, what Woven does, and um, just the journey of it so far? Absolutely. So uh, I got uh, pulled into um, the issues of calendaring and time 
while I was uh, at Facebook, but even in my uh, in previous companies, I often found that I would make the statement, I'm a slave to my calendar. And uh, at Facebook, the calendar was very broken uh, for a lot of different reasons, both technical and non-technical. Um, but uh, the more I got into this problem, the more I, I saw that this is, a, this is a big, big issue that affects everybody. And there's a huge opportunity to rethink this thing. Mm. Um, and so uh, my co-founder and I left to create Woven. And, and the first thing that we focused on was what, what, how do we want to define this? So was, we, we, we created a mission for the company that's really big, which is we want to help people spend time on what matters most. Um, and if you think about it, time is the most valuable asset we have. There's only 24 hours in a day. And there's no difference between your 24 hours and my 24 hours. You don't somehow have more hours in your day or your hours aren't longer. They're all the same. Uh, and so the decisions that we make on how we should spend our time, these are what really define us. And it's the essence of productivity as well. Uh, yeah. Productivity is like how much work can I get done over the period of time that I uh, put into something. Uh, so it is a very uh, impactful thing. Now, what Woven does um, is we recognize that the calendar as we see it today is really only a piece of what's important about time. The calendar helps us figure out where to go. Like, what are we doing next? Yeah. Woven reimagines the calendar to provide a, a, a system that can be the, in, the basis for the entire life cycle of, of events that affect our lives from you know, when we're thinking about them, I, I want to do something to preparing for them, following up from them, and even looking across all of the things that we're doing to make sure that we have uh, clarity on, did we spend time on the things that, that we care about? Um, and so, you know, part of how we do that is we teach the calendar what events are. The, the calendar today is a, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a database of what, if, what do I do next? Um, yeah. but it doesn't really understand the difference between dinner with my wife and, um, an interview with a candidate. Uh, those events look very similar to each other. Uh, but one has a very different meaning than the other. Uh, they're both very important to me. Um, I want to spend dinner with my wife. She's a key part of my life. I need to recruit. I need to build my company. So I need to spend time with candidates, but the interview needs a certain kind of preparation that my dinner with my wife does not. I don't need to go and look at my wife's LinkedIn profile to understand who she is. <laughs> I don't need to check out her resume and see whether or not, uh, you know, what, what she'd been working on recently. But I absolutely need to do that for an interview. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, absolutely wants to make sure that I've picked a good uh, place for dinner, maybe a place we haven't been to before, but that she would enjoy. So there's a different kind of prep that goes into that. And I may need to make an open table reservation. So uh, we teach the calendar what different kinds of events are. And then uh, we, we build in capability to then track and associate information uh, with those different types of events uh, in a way that when you say, hey, I want to I do this interview, um, we can make sure that when that interview actually is scheduled, all of the, the appropriate and relevant information is presented at the right time. Um, we also can teach the calendar event, well, when should these things happen? You know, dinner with my wife shouldn't happen at eight in the morning. And mm. I don't want to have coffee with somebody at seven at night. Um, you know, there's work events that I want to do during work hours. There are personal events that I want to do after hours. Sometimes things, um, you know, uh, mix, get, get mixed up. And uh, Woven is able to teach the calendar when certain things should happen so that 
you can get woven to schedule those events as opposed to you having to spend time uh, doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I looked at, at a couple of things on there. There seems to be like a function where if I wanted to, to schedule a few different podcast interviews, then it would start to know which times in the day I like, I like to do those, you know, uh, the kind of general, let's say it's always going to be one hour long or 45 minutes long or whatever, you know, the general kind of pattern of, of those things. And I can kind of set those up as like a template kind of thing on the app, right? Correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we use templates to, to, uh, to keep track of some of the stuff. And then you can, the template can know uh, what's the availability window. What, what's the period of time that you generally want to have this kind of event? And you can turn it into a scheduling link that you give to somebody else. It says, okay, um, here's when I want to do a podcast with you. And it will find the availability on your calendar. And all they have to do is pick a t- time that works for, um, for them. And you're done. It's scheduled. And what about the the sort of future of how calendars interact with task apps? Because for me, it feels like the missing link is that there's, you know, so for example, I do this podcast interview with you, then there's a whole bunch of follow-up actions that I need to take after that. So do you see there being a, a link between how people use Woven and then how people use their their other to-do list tools and that kind of thing? One of the best productivity tacts uh, people can follow is to schedule their tasks. Uh, I very much believe that task management as we know it today um, largely is about dealing with the backlog, whereas calendars are very good at dealing with what am I going to do and when. Uh, and, and those two things are very connected to each other. That The, uh, the best productivity gurus uh, will tell you that um, they schedule all of their tasks on their calendar. Everything from when do they sleep to when do they go through their email because uh, they're being deliberate and intentional about how they allocate their time. Yeah. And one benefit of doing this is it also creates a database you can look backwards on. You can run reports and say, how did I spend my time? And you have better insight into it. When you don't follow a, a process like this, um, it's, uh, that's very difficult to do. Uh, the, the information, if it exists at all, is, is scattered. Uh, and oftentimes it just doesn't exist. So let me, let me hold my hands up and say I'm definitely not a guru. <laughs> but like, but my, my thoughts on calendar scheduling is I see an awful lot of people who have a very large proportion of their day not on their calendar so for example it's very rare that i would see on someone's calendar email processing time right or thinking time whatever and like these are really important things that we need to do as as part of our day i tend to try and have a fair amount of that stuff scheduled on my calendar but i also like space right so for me there's something about wanting to be uh, slightly more fluid and agile rather than if, if I've got everything scheduled back to back for me, it kind of feels like I'm too hemmed in. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? And, um, it, it almost feels to me like I don't have any choice or any freedom in that sense. It's like, okay, so I'm just a, a slave to the, to what the calendar tells me to do next. So for me, it's like having that kind of, kind of balance be- between the two. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple of reasons why people don't put, uh, this, stuff in their, their calendars. Uh, one is cumbersome. You know, calendars are not easy to work with. It takes time. And even though like to just click drag on something like Google calendar and uh, you know, reserve a time that could be a, a few seconds. Um, but oftentimes that's more time than people want to put into uh, 
you know, uh, tracking or preparing. Yeah. Second thing is that they, um, they, people want some degree of fluidity. Uh, I'm, I plan to do my email this morning from nine to 10 o'clock, uh, but something changed and, and therefore I need to now make that 10 to 10 30. Um, and or so, like, I just don't feel like doing email now, right? Like sometimes well, it's like, you know, now, you want, you want to kind of go with, go with where your energy is a little bit as well. That's true. Uh, it's also, uh, now you're getting into an area of, you know, how much of that is being, uh, clear with yourself about what you're prepared to do and when, and how much of that is discipline. And, mm. um, that's a, that's a fuzzy area. Yeah, right. Um, you know, the, the best practice is hold yourself to your schedule. Um, you know, but be intentional about how you set it up. Uh, so, you know, if, if you put time on your calendar to do email and you're constantly not doing it at that time, or you put time on your calendar to work out, but you're not going to the gym, just hmm. to be honest with yourself about whether or not you yeah, really yeah, yeah. care about yeah. that goal. Um, but, uh, to the degree that, uh, it, it is a goal that you care about and you don't feel like going to the gym. Sometimes you go anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> once you get there, you feel better, uh, so that, that's a little bit of a tough thing. But what we're trying to do is make the calendar more friendly in that scenario by making it easier to work with. And, and we're not fully there yet. There's a lot more to do to make the calendar easy to work with. But we're definitely headed there. And the more the calendar is intelligent about how it gets its information, the, the more we can automate some of these things so that people don't have to spend as much time administering their calendar and they can use it as a tool to get things done not as this uh, burden uh, thing that needs to be managed. Yeah. Well, you definitely have some fans over here and um, uh, Francesco from Keep Productive did a little video on Woven a little while back. So we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Uh, and he's, uh, yeah, he, he's always someone whose views on different apps and stuff I, I, you know, I always take seriously. So um, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, one of the things you've talked about just in terms of productivity is the idea of the productivity stack. So do you want to just talk a little bit about what that, what that is? Well, I think this is changing quite a bit. Um, you know, we uh, used to, uh, the, the stack in the past has come in, in the form of a suite where we have purchased, uh, you know, Microsoft Office or Google Suite and it has email and it has calendaring and it has task management and it has contacts and uh, then Word documents and, and Excel spreadsheets. And this is really beginning to change. Um, the suite existed for two reasons. One, there was technical compatibility that, you know, if I use Microsoft Word and I needed to put a spreadsheet into my Word document, I could cut and paste from one to the other. And that wasn't possible if I used WordPerfect and I used Lotus 123. So, mm, yeah. Uh, so Microsoft like saw, hey, let's pull these things together into a suite. It was also a buying convenience. I spend, uh, make one purchase decision and I get all the things that I, I need. But in today's day and age, what the best productivity comes from using the right tool for the job. Mm. And you see that people are increasingly willing to throw away pieces of the suite for something that does a better job. Uh, you know, Slack, for example, is a much better communication mechanism than email. So yeah. companies adopt Slack. Uh, you know, Dropbox can be a better mechanism to share things like images and uh, saved PDF files. And so people use uh, Dropbox. Airtable, in many respects, is a 
far more capable and collaborative spreadsheet. OneNote, uh, or excuse me, uh, Notion is a much better note-taking app. Uh, Superhuman is uh, really improving the capability to manage email. So the stack is starting to change and people are using the best tool for the job. And I think this is in part because the technical compatibility thing is no longer a factor and uh, the buying convenience is uh, outweighed by the productivity benefit. I'm much more willing to pay for my productivity for the, the, to use the, the right tools for the job. And the calendar is, is just uh, one of these uh, the pieces of the suite that is evolving quite significantly. Is there, so you mentioned a few different um, apps that are in your stack right now. Is there anything else that is maybe like, like an app that you're watching with bated breath and interest thinking it's coming down the track or one that's gaining traction or what are, what are the other things that you're seeing I'm very, uh, just on, on your travels? I'm very excited with what's going on with Todoist. Um, as we talked before, I think uh, to-dos and, um, and calendars have, uh, there's a close marriage there. Mm. Um, I love Notion. That's where I, I, I take all my notes um, yeah. inside yeah. of Notion. Uh, although I think that that, um, that space is a little bit, uh, you know, as we've seen with Evernote, um, you know, some of the native uh, note-taking apps, that's, that's a little one. Uh, there's, there's not as much of a network effect with, uh, with those applications. Um, and uh, so what, do, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Not so much of a network effect. Um, so with calendaring, just as an example, one of the reasons why people don't switch calendars uh, is, especially within corporations, oh, I see. is that uh, you know the calendar is more valuable when everybody else uses it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, my my most famous example of this when we bought WhatsApp. WhatsApp was a Google Suite uh, company, and Facebook standard was Microsoft uh, Outlook. And I got them to willingly throw away Google Suite, even though they loved it, and use Microsoft Outlook, even though they hated it, <laughs> uh, because they agreed that the most important thing was to have a single calendaring system. Yeah, so that's yeah, an example yeah. of power of the, the network effect of calendars. Um, note-taking apps, you know, am, is my note-taking somehow significantly more um, improved by the fact that you also use notion as a note-taking app there are some collaborative capabilities but generally it's a it's more of a private thing i'm taking my notes mm, your notes that's true and, um so it doesn't benefit as much from us using the same system it does get some benefit but uh uh but but not as much email is another uh, example of this that uh you know we we all use the same protocol but it kind of doesn't matter do i use apple mail and you use the gmail client somebody else uses superhuman like, there's not a, yeah, a network sure. effect from what tool you use to access your email. I'm with you. Um, and tell us about your uh, company culture around meetings. Like I read a thing that says you don't do meetings on Wednesdays. Is that right? Well, that's more of a Facebook thing. Um, Woven is small enough that we actually don't have that many meetings as a, as a company because if I need to meet with my co-founder, I poke my head around the corner and I, Say, hey, Bert's, let's talk. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but um, when companies get bigger, they have to coordinate with the, themselves uh, quite a bit. In fact, we, we yep. see this with uh, how people use Woven differently uh, when they are members of a large company versus when they're members of a small company. Members of a small company, uh, they're like me. They, uh, if they have meetings, it's with people who are outside of the organization. Uh, people who are part of a, a larger organization. Uh, 
you know, it, and it starts at around 100 people. It accelerates to about 1,000 people. By the time you get to 1,000 people, most of the time is spent with other people inside the organization. Mm. And uh, this creates a problem that, you know, if the company is meeting with itself a lot, uh, sometimes that can really drain people's productivity because, uh, you know, our, our ability to focus is uh, in, in part a function of how much interruption that, that we deal with. And we, and we do our best work when we can uh, have uninterrupted time dealing with uh, a, a, a deep task, whether that's mm, writing yeah. software or that's creating a presentation. Um, and so uh, Facebook recognized this and created No Meeting Wednesdays as a way of keeping the engineering team focused. Uh, and it was very successful up until about, I don't know, six or 7,000 people uh, up at that point. Then it started to get corrupted a little bit because you have functions that either didn't honor the norm meeting Wednesday or couldn't you know, take sales. Sales, like, you know, they can't not meet with customers on Wednesday. That would basically take 20% of their time away. So right. they yeah. would meet with customers and inevitably one of those customer meetings would require an engineer. And then all of a sudden you're meeting with an engineer on a Wednesday, which is a no-no and what do you do? So it's harder to do when you get bigger, but uh, the, it, it was a good technique to preserve time. Uh, so that people are focused. The way that Woven tries to deal with it is we provide visibility into how much uninterrupted time do you have on your calendar. Um, you know, 30-minute slots don't count. That's not uninterrupted. Right, time. yeah, yeah. At least 60 minutes, um, and that's focus time. And we have a little analytic in our mobile app that tells you how much focus time do you have in, in any particular week or, or even over a course of a month. And I think for me that's such a huge, it's such a huge thing just the the discipline to be able to put time in your calendar to say this is my create time this is my time to be engaged in the the deeper work right and it feels like that's that's a really big antidote to the whole notion of busy like if you're if you're just being led by other people booking you in for lots of internal meetings in a in a big corporate then actually one of the things you can do is start to to actually proactively put some of that fo- that focus kind of time in your diary. This is one of the, the amazing things that we've learned about how the calendar is used is that we're very, very reactive and we let other people take our time. Mm. Um, I'll give you a couple of quick stats. Um, 50% of all events are scheduled within three days of the event actually happening. <laughs> That's brilliant. So that means people aren't thinking that far into the future. And 60% of of all events come from somebody else. Somebody else took the time. Mm. Uh, So what it really shows is that we're not good stewards of our our time. And there's an opportunity to be more strategic, to think out further. And and what I do is I, I do time blocking and I use recurring events to say, here's the general structure of how I want my time. And mm-hmm. I'll move those events around. I'll move my, my focus time around, but I won't kill my focus time. If I don't have two hours a day of focus time, I don't, I'm not focused and I'm not getting things done. Yeah, for sure. I love that stat about 60% of how people spend their time is, is kind of stolen, from other, stolen by other people. And I wonder if that's something, you know, listeners to this podcast can kind of reflect on and take away. It's like, is 
when I look at my calendar is at least, you know, 40% and rising of that stuff that I'm choosing to do versus other people are, are, are sort of stealing that time. And 60% being the average, I mean, that's really something to to measure against. I kind of feel like mine would be, it'd be pretty high, the number of hours in there that are chosen by me rather than reactive. Um, but then I'm in a smaller company, so maybe that's easier for me to say. Well, uh, if you're useful, yeah. then we can actually give you the stat. We can tell you. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, a, there's another good reason for uh, signing people up. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've talked previously about um, the, just the whole definition of, of busy and how that affects productivity. And obviously, we're, we're beyond busy as a podcast. So interesting to just hear your reflections on, um, on what does busyness mean to you and what can people do about it? Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between I'm busy and uh, I'm productive. Um, I, I have a close friend who excels at busyness. She's <laughs> constantly like, you know, doing things, email, driving around, uh, you know, responding to individual requests, but complete lack of focus on what her, uh, her focus in life is. Uh, and so she doesn't do big things. Um, and it's because she's busy, but she's not productive. She has no intentionality. So, and the, and the calendar is a, a, a real offender of this. It gives us free busy. It tells us when we're free. It tells us when we're busy. But it has no understanding of what we are doing. You really have to describe your events in order to do that. Um, so, you know, for me, I like to engage in what I call uh, portfolio management of time, where I'll say I want to spend uh, 30% of my time recruiting. I want to spend uh, 15 to 20% of my time dealing with one-on-ones with my staff. Uh, and I want to spend, uh, you know, the uh, uh, maybe 10 or 15% of my time with my investors. And the remainder of my time I need as, as um either focus time or, or maker time, uh, responding to emails and things like that. And then I'll look at my calendar and I'll see whether or not my portfolio reflects this. Mm. Uh, and when it doesn't, that's a sign it's time to make an adjustment. When it does, um, then I can see, does that feel, week feel good? And if it feels good, then I'll repeat it. And if it doesn't feel good, well, where do, uh, where do I need to make an adjustment in my portfolio until I get to the point where I feel like I am as productive as I can be? But all what sort of what sort of time period do you use as the sample size for that? So for me, weeks are very different, right? So there might be a week where I'm doing a lot of writing, and then another week when I'm doing a lot of speaking. And so for me, I'd think about that more on a kind of month reflection rather than kind of a week reflection. How, how do you deal with that? Yeah, for me, it's more of uh, each week is uh, is a, a sufficient enough sample. Um, okay. But I totally understand how for other people, especially when if they travel a lot. Uh, where you kind of have to look at it over a broader period of time. Yeah. I think, yeah, you, I mean, my, 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 my weeks are never too the same, but like you, you've got a fairly good rhythm with, uh, with the sort of main part of your work right. being about build, building the company. Right. I mean, you want it to be as, as small as possible so that you can, the, the smaller your, your, your interval, then the more frequently you're going to be able to look at it in order yeah, to, sure. uh, to see whether or not it's working. But it also has to be large enough to actually represent what you're doing. And yeah. for me, that's, I can't do it daily. I have to do it weekly because each day is slightly different than the other, but each week is roughly the same. What's the bit that you struggle to find the time and space for? Is there one part of that portfolio that you feel is like the bit that you're neglecting or the bit that you need to, you know, to the cut biggest, down on? Biggest issue for me is the battle between 
email and my most strategic to do's. Um, mm. Email is where I, I used to find uh, that the calendar was uh, a burden in addition to email. Although with with Woven, I, I really don't spend that much time calendaring. It's a, it's actually a really easy thing for me. But um, but email and making sure that I'm getting through. I get about 300 emails a day, and it yeah. is it is time just to delete them. Uh, Superhuman is kind of helpful, but it really hasn't solved the problem for me. Um, I've often found that I just will choose on certain days not to spend time in my email. Mm. Um, and if things are important, they'll come find me. Um, but that's the way that I reserve the time to do the most strategic things. And those days that I choose to stay on top of all my email, I tend not to be as strategic. So uh, that's my biggest struggle is I would love to have a better mechanism to get through my 300 emails a day. For sure. Um, just before we finish, I'd love to hear your, your personal reflections on, uh, productivity, uh, greatest strength and greatest weakness. And, uh, finally, I'd love to hear your, uh, thoughts on work-life balance and how you, uh, best set up your life around, uh, work-life balance and the work that you do. I think my greatest strength when it comes to productivity is I'm, I'm strategic about it. I, I think I'm very thoughtful about how mm. I think about my time. Uh, with the, my greatest weakness um, is going to be on the dealing with the uh, res- responsive or the the reactive side of things. Yeah, and particularly email. Email is, is one that I just have not figured out yet. Um, but uh, I, I do. Uh, at least understand enough of that to to time box email to say okay here's the time of the day where I'm going to deal with email and I'll get through my stuff then and usually when I do I'm successful and when I don't that's when I get into trouble um, <laughs> you know in terms of work life balance uh, I learned um, several years ago at Facebook that the way that we we are becoming much more hyper connected and especially if you work in an organization that's global or has global interactions yeah. It's hard. We don't have nine to five jobs anymore. Um, and uh, that can be murder on relationships unless, going back to my th- point on portfolio management, you, you have clarity on you know, how much time do you want to spend on your personal life. And for me, I put my family very, very high on the list. And so mm-hmm. my family is totally able to stomp on work time. If I have to, my daughter is applying to college next year. And so there's a lot of work with counselors and stuff right now. And that work I'm happy to do in the middle of the day. Uh, My wife is very important to me. So she gets my time uh, on the weekends when we can go, you know, hiking or walking or or whatever together. Um, And I, I preserve that Uh, at the same time, I'm quite comfortable working late or, um, you know, doing evening meetings or evening uh, dinner uh, engagements, uh, so I can get stuff done. Um, and uh, so my, my work-life separation is not as time-based. Uh, it's not a time-based in terms of schedule. It's time-based in terms of amount of time. Sure, yeah. And is there a, a, a kind of yardstick or a canary in the coal mine kind of test that you have around whether you feel like you're on track with that? Yeah, I mean, I can see it with my relationships with my... Uh, with my wife and my kids, uh, when those things are, um, are challenged, it's usually a reflection. That I'm not spending enough time there. And, yeah. Uh, when things are going well, then I'm, I'm spending enough. Uh, and the challenges may show up someplace else.
Cool. Um, well, Tim, thanks so much for being on Beyond Busy. Um, do you want to just, before we finish, let people know where they can check out Woven and find you and anything else you want to share with us? Absolutely. We're, we're easy to find. Uh, so we're at woven.com. And uh, there's tons of information about uh, the product and uh, a little bit about my co-founder and I. Uh, I also have a Twitter feed on uh, T Campos and people can follow me there. And uh, uh, we are in the Windows, Mac and iOS app stores as well. Just search for Woven and, and you'll find us. Great stuff. Thanks. Thanks for being on Beyond Busy. All right. Thank you for having me. So thanks again to Tim for being on the show. Also shout out to Heather Isaac, who was very helpful in um, setting me up with Tim, making this happen. Uh, thanks also to Mark Stedman and Podient, my producer and platform for the podcast. And just once again, um, if you're interested in uh, the Productivity Ninja's Guide to Working from Home webinar, we'll post the link here to the free uh, the free version of that. And you can also find show notes, links, everything else, getbeyondbusy.com. Um, we're going to keep the show going over the next uh, few weeks and months. I've canceled a few interviews with some really interesting people that were coming up as, as, as new guests. But luckily, I had quite a few in the pipeline already done and recorded. So we'll keep Beyond Busy going over the next few weeks. It'll continue to be fortnightly. And um, yeah, I just hope that it uh, serves as uh, one of your many comforts in being stuck at home or ill or working from home or whatever else is happening in your world over the next few weeks. So um, stay safe. I'll see you in two weeks' time. Crazy times. Take care. Bye for now. Bye.